in many departments, you're not running a major incident every day. You might not be getting that big fire every day or that big emergency call. But there's so many little things you can do to develop a command presence and to showcase that you're a leader. Enchanted Sky Media. 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 From Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. All right. Let's say you're a new officer. You want your crew to follow you, right? Now, how do you get them to do that? Well, obviously, maybe. One thing that absolutely will not work is to simply start ordering people around. It does nothing but make them annoyed with you, which may be an intuitive thing, but people still try it anyway. Put yourself in the crew's place. What would get you to follow someone new? Chances are it's an attitude called command presence. That's what instills confidence that you know what you're talking about. Back again on Code 3 today to discuss command presence, what it is and why it's important, is Tom Merrill. He's a 35-year fire department veteran and a former chief of the Snyder Fire Department in Amherst, New York. He's now a fire commissioner for the Snyder Fire District. Tom served 26 years as a department officer, including 15 years in the chief officer ranks. He's taught at fire service events around western New York, as well as at FDIC. He's also a fire dispatcher for the Amherst Fire Alarm Office. And Tom Merrill joins me now. Welcome back to Code 3. Hello there. Thanks for having me, Scott. Let's start with the basics. What is command presence? Well, in my mind, we usually associate command presence as occurring on an emergency scene when an incident commander exhibits really good self-control, and he's able to give clear and calm directives. Sometimes he's in the midst of total chaos, but he's able to stay calm and issue really good, clear directions to everybody, and people look to the incident commander to exude, to exhibit what we call command presence. And that's just, you know it when you see it. And it's not always easy for a new officer to be able to do that. But in my view, there's a lot of other ways that a new officer can start working on gaining command presence or a reputation of having good command presence in the midst of total chaos. Now, I'm going to assume that a good command presence sort of speaks for itself. You don't have to tell people, I'm in charge here. Is that true? Absolutely. Any leader, any officer that relies on what I call the collar tug to say, I'm in charge, really isn't in charge. If you have to tell people you're in charge, you're doing something wrong. They should be able to look at you as a leader, as an officer, and instantly know that you are in charge. 
So what are some things that newer officers can learn to do that make themselves known without telling people specifically? I have a couple ideas on that. Some occur in the firehouse and some occur on the fire ground. Some can occur in emergency situations and some can occur in non-emergency situations. And, you know, I like to tell people that it's actually easier, easier to begin developing the command present persona, doing a lot of the little things that are required of an officer. Let's face it, in many departments, you're not running a major incident every day. You might not be getting that big fire every day or that big emergency call. But there's so many little things you can do to develop a command presence and to showcase that you're a leader that is in charge of whatever responsibilities it is that you have, such as the miscellaneous jobs around the firehouse or when you do run a call. So, you know, I'll give you an example. One day my department was alerted for a mutual aid call. And our procedure is an officer takes charge at the firehouse, records who's coming in, checks in with the fire alarm office to see what equipment's going to be needed on this mutual aid run, and then assigns the crew to the piece of apparatus that needs to respond. On this particular day, a couple officers showed up to the firehouse. They just threw their gear on and boarded the rig, and the rig took off. No one kept track of who was coming into the firehouse, who was getting on the rig. No one even verified that, hey, the people going on this mutual aid call are in fact okay to go on it. They're trained properly and they've been in long enough that they're okay to go on the crew. So afterwards, I gathered the officers around and talked to them about it and said, herein was a chance for you to show some good command presence. Now, when you get to the scene, you're going to be in charge of your crew, but you're not going to be in charge of the overhaul scene. But here's a little way to start building command presence. One of the officers put themselves in charge in the firehouse as crews came in and took charge of who was going on the rig, took charge of recording properly who was getting on the rig, and that showcases command presence right there. A very small example of how you can begin developing command presence in the firehouse in an emergency situation. And it doesn't always even have to be an emergency situation. You want to be known in the firehouse as an officer that is trusted, that people can come to when they have questions, but also an officer that does their jobs responsibly. And I used to tell my young officers, jobs are delegated. You want to build a good reputation as an officer and at the same time showcase command presence. Do the jobs that are expected of you time and time again. So many times officers jump right on board and start doing the jobs, the non-glorious jobs, the SCBA checks, equipment checks, things like that. And after a while, they start taking shortcuts or not doing the jobs at all. I think a good way to show command presence that you're in charge of yourself as an officer is to do those jobs on a consistent basis time and time again. And this applies, Scott, on both sides of the aisle. This isn't just firematic or operations. The administrative officer can do that as well. If you're in charge of paperwork, you're in charge of, you're the secretary of your organization, the treasurer of your organization, you have very important jobs that need to be done day in and day out. And you can showcase command presence for the office you hold by doing those jobs time and time again, thoroughly, accurately, and with attention to detail. 
Now, I'm imagining a young new officer who's thinking, holy cow, I've got to go from buddy to boss in one move, and I've also got to worry about command presence too. Is it a situation where you have to act a certain way, or is it what you do that counts more? I think it's what you do more than what you say. I used to say, do more, say less. Lead by example. And in it, you can start, you can take small steps to start. Say you're a young lieutenant and you're now in charge of a crew going on a routine alarm call. Number one, on the way to the call, you can be talking to the crew ahead of time, maybe making tool assignments if you don't have them predetermined, talking about where the panel is or what you know about the particular building that you're going to. And as you go to the building, as you get on scene, walk the newer members through the process of what you're doing. I've seen young officers simply go and investigate an alarm, reset an alarm, call back in service, and never take the time to work with the crew to explain the process of what exactly they are doing, looking for an activated head, trying to determine why it went off. Oh, here's how, if your company's permitted to do it, here's how we do reset the alarm. Things like that. You can take small steps. As on the administrative side, you can take small steps there as well by simply, again, doing the jobs, putting in minutes together on a monthly basis, writing checks regularly. All that little stuff starts building your reputation. And before you know it, you're more confident and you're more competent as an officer. I'll be back with more right after this. Don't miss your chance to get your hands on the hottest logo wear around. Code Free Podcast Gear makes you look good and tells the world you're a fan. Now you can wear the Code 3 logo proudly. Just go to our website, Code3Podcast.com. Click the banner and you'll be able to order an assortment of cool apparel and accessories. And thanks for supporting the podcast that supports firefighters. Let's change directions for a moment. Let's say I'm the senior man and I've got a new young officer and he makes an assignment that I don't think makes a whole lot of sense. How do I let him know that without stealing his authority in front of his men? Well, one thing I would do is ask for clarification if it's an order that is not understood clearly. Hey, Lieutenant, can you just clarify that for me? You want me to do that? Or you want me to do this? The second thing, obviously, you don't want to, yes, you don't want to disrespect the officer ever. And, and senior members, a good senior member will never disrespect an officer. But there's ways you can rephrase the order and or make a suggestion with, hey, I know you wanted me to try this. Let me try this. Don't you think this might work, too? We could try both ways. And you can soften the uh, soften it a little bit so you don't seem like you're second-guessing or questioning that young officer. From the other direction, if you are the young officer, I would hope then that you would be willing to see that this guy's trying to help you and not embarrass you and then find a way to agree to it without saying, all right, you know what you're talking about. That is so true, Scott. And I used to, uh, even myself as a young officer, I would talk to the senior members in my department and say, hey, I am now a new lieutenant but I'm still going to rely on you and come to you for advice and information because you've been doing this a lot longer than me. 
yes, I'm the lieutenant now in charge of the engine. I'm in charge of all these different jobs I have to do, but I'm going to rely on you for some of your expertise and, and examples of what you've done in the past to solve the situation. Mutual respect. A good senior member will respect the officer, but any officer worth, worth their salt is going to respect a good senior member. Now, senior members need to remember it's what you do with that experience. Being 20 years in a department, that's great, but what have you done in those 20 years? Maybe you've missed a lot of the big incidents because you were scheduled off or you weren't around. Maybe you didn't go to a lot of training or drills. You don't just automatically get the term senior member because you have time in. It's what you've done with that time in. You need to earn the title, just like an officer needs to earn the title of being a respected officer, senior member needs to earn the respect to be considered a respected senior member as well. All right, now let's talk about when we arrive at the fire ground. I know that you're going to tell me that it's important for the officer who wants to build the command presence to stay calm, but at the same time, I've heard a lot of new officers spew out a whole lot of orders in a big hurry on the radio and give them all the information they possibly use and then stop. Is how we relay information something that we learn from experience, or can we actually just do it right away? Yeah, you know, you can do it a couple of ways. Number one, learn from who you think hasn't exuded good command presence. Learn from maybe some bad examples <laughs> that you've personally experienced in your life and say to yourself, when I have the opportunity to talk on the radio or give orders, I'm certainly not going to do it that way. And learn then from the good people that you've listened to over the years, those that you know exuded command presence of being calm in the midst of chaos and able to give clear, direct orders without screaming, raising their voice, even when things go wrong. One of my best mentors was a chief I served under when I was a young assistant chief. And every now and then at a fire, and he had a lot of fires, things would go wrong. It's going to happen. How you react to it, boy, that goes a long way in whether your crew is going to be able to stay calm and focused on the task at hand. So I learned from him how to handle things when they go wrong, just like I handled from other people and other examples that in my own personal life of people that would scream and yell and, and react a different way. And I would see how that would impact the crew in a negative way. And I would t tell myself, Tom, when you get in those situations, do it the way that you saw the right thing being done, not the way the bad thing was being done and yell and scream at everyone. Can you offer any suggestions as to how to react to a situation that's going sideways? Someone told me once, you didn't cause the problem, you're there to fix it. So understanding you got a job to do, take a step back, take a deep breath if you have to, and say, okay, I wanted to do A, but B happened. How can I now take care of B to get back to taking care of A? You just have to try and keep a clear mind and focus on you know, sometimes when things go wrong, it doesn't impact what you're trying to do. And you got to prioritize and learn to execute based on what the priorities are. So if it's something that went wrong and it has to be attended to right then and there, well, then you're going to have to maybe reassign some crews to take care of it. Or you could put it in the back of your mind, okay, this happened down the street. Can't worry about that right now. My crews are going in and making the attack. I got to concentrate on that and maybe delegate 
taking care of the problem to another officer because it's not in, it's not the priority at that moment. So you prioritize, you take a step back, take a deep breath, and uh, you got to call an audible sometimes. Seems to me that a lot of command presence is knowing to whom you should delegate tasks. Is it hard for new officers to remember that? Do they tend to want to do everything themselves? I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen it both ways. But yeah, sometimes they feel like they have to prove themselves and they have to prove themselves right away. And, uh, you know, I think a key to any successful leader is, is using the people around you and realizing that, hey, you could be the chief of department, but there are some people that are going to be better than you at certain things. Being the one in charge or being an officer in charge of a crew doesn't mean you have to know every answer, doesn't mean you have to know how to do absolutely everything. You have to build your team. You have to work with your people, and that involves getting to know your people, which is a very important leadership quality of good leaders and good officers. Get to know your people, their strengths, their skills, and know who can do what so you can use them adequately as the call unfolds. All right, Tom Merrill, thanks for being with me again on Code 3 today. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And we put some more information on how you can develop command presence on our website at code3podcast.com slash command. Check it out. And please don't forget that you can support this podcast by making a monthly pledge. So if you get something out of this show, help us keep it going. It's easy. Head over to code3podcast.com slash support to join the people who are already backing Code 3. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.